It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, December 14th. This is your KVMR Evening News. Envision a sea of solar panels, three times the size of San Francisco's Golden Gate Park. This is a single solar power facility. The California report investigates the green energy revolution taking place on federal land throughout the state's deserts. Then we've got your local news and weather before KBMR science correspondent Al Stoller speaks with NASA jet propulsion scientist Li Liang Fu ahead of tomorrow's launch. And hear what you missed in yesterday's Nevada County Board of Supervisors meeting in the latest episode of Soups On. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The oil industry says it has enough signatures to get a measure on the state ballot to overturn California's recently enacted buffer zone law. It restricts new oil wells, keeping them away from homes and schools. KQED's senior climate editor Kevin Stark reports. The California Independent Petroleum Association says it's gathered more than 978,000 signatures for its petition. If the Secretary of State's office verifies about two-thirds of these signatures, it will formally qualify as a referendum before voters in 2024. Environmentalists are already challenging the validity of some of the signatures and saying they were gathered dishonestly. Democrats failed several times to pass similar legislation in recent years, and California passed its setback law only after some last-minute vote whip from Governor Newsom's staff. For the California Report, I'm Kevin Stark. And let's stay on energy. California's desert lands have long been exploited for everything from mining to military training to rest and relaxation. Think Palm Springs. Now the state's deserts have a growing role in helping to create a green energy revolution in the U.S. But that sparked a backlash among some environmentalists who argue that desert wilderness is being sacrificed for renewable power goals. I wanted to find out more, so I did. On a swath of desert land about an hour's drive east of Palm Springs, I'm watching as construction workers drive row after row of big metal posts into the desert floor, posts that will soon be topped by thousands of solar panels. Yeah, we are listening to pile driving, which is basically the first step in the erector set of solar. That's Raisa Lee, a project developer for San Francisco-based Clearway Energy, which is building this solar power project on federal land called Victory Pass. Lee tells me when construction is finished and this facility is connected to California's energy grid, it will generate enough power for more than 130,000 homes. And another number you should know relates to just how big this project is. Uh, The project site itself is about 3,000 acres. I think until your boot's on the ground, it's hard to to digest that scale. But let me try. At 3,000 acres, this one solar power facility will be about three times the size of San Francisco's Golden Gate Park. And it's just a single example of an accelerating green energy boom in the deserts of California. It's a boom encouraged by the Biden administration, which has streamlined renewable energy development within nearly 11 million acres of federal desert land in seven California counties, with many of those projects being industrial-scale solar built by companies like Clearway. Why do you have to be here? Well, the desert is where the sun is. That's John Woody, a vice president at Clearway, which is constructing solar projects on public and private lands. We're headed to zone five. 
you'll be able to see the solar panels uh, and what looks like a fairly completed solar project. I met Woody at the company's Daggett project in San Bernardino County. When it opens late next year, the energy plant will be the largest solar power and battery storage facility in the state. And buyers for power are already lined up. We have customers that, that are buying power from this project all across the state of California, from Northern California to Southern California. But beyond profiting Clearway, Woody says these huge desert solar power projects are necessary if California is going to meet its goals of ending its dependence on fossil fuels and fighting climate change. You know, California needs to add about six gigawatts a year of these renewable energy and storage projects to meet their clean energy goals 90 percent by 2035 and 100 percent by 2045. And so... We're just doing all small, our small part to help California meet those goals. But as solar projects in the desert multiply and grow, so too do criticisms. Well, I've just always found the desert to be a place of inspiration and renewal. And it's worth something more than just replacing with endless square miles of photovoltaic cells. That's Chris Clark, who's with the National Parks Conservation Program and the co-host of a podcast series about threats to the desert. Like other environmentalists, Clark worries about desert solar's impact on the habitat of endangered and threatened desert plant and animal life, like the desert tortoise, as thousands of acres of desert land are turned into solar power farms. The threat to the desert right now is similar to the threats that other places in North America faced in the 19th century where people were starting to notice what was there and starting to figure out how they could how they could profit off it. Clark argues that as California goes all in on solar, the project should be built on rooftops in coastal cities and suburbs where most of the power generated will end up anyway and not hundreds of miles away in the state's deserts. There are ways to do this without bulldozing old growth desert with millennia-old plants and uh, endemic populations of rare organisms and endangered and threatened species. Clearwave's John Woody argues extraordinary efforts are being taken by private companies and the government to protect the desert's ecosystems as solar facilities are built. He also says California's green power goals are so enormous, it's impossible to make an either-or choice between urban rooftop solar versus desert solar. It, there's really no silver bullet. You can't do one or the other. You, you need to sort of do all of the above. It's not a silver bullet. It's silver buckshot. Meanwhile, more desert land continues to be prepped for the installation of solar panels, joining solar power facilities that have already been built. Back at Clearway's Victory Pass solar site, project manager John Moon points to the distant desert landscape and all the other solar projects in the area. So you have desert sunlight, desert harvest, Maverick 1 and 4 on this side, and then Athos 1 and 2 over here. And then we're building on right here. And everything you said is a separate solar power facility. Yes, sir. And as ground is broken on more projects, the debate will continue over how to balance the goals of creating a renewable energy revolution and protecting the state's desert lands. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, Listening to Black Californians, a new study on how the healthcare system undermines the pursuit of good health, on the web at chcf.org lbca. The Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, 
which bets early on exceptional people making the world better on the web at smithfutures.org. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, December 14th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. If you want to listen to any of our shows any time of day, subscribe to the California Report Daily Podcast. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Let's take a look at today's local news. A California Highway Patrol commander was found dead Saturday morning with a gunshot wound in Clay County, Tennessee. Captain Julie Harding was a CHP commander in the Yuba Sutter office. Quote, the manner and cause of death are currently under investigation by the Clay County Sheriff's Office, with assistance from the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, says CHP Valley Division spokesman, Officer Ricardo Ortiz. Sheriff's officials have not determined whether the gunshot wound was self-inflicted. Though ABC10 reports, a TBI spokesperson says the death does not appear to be the result of foul play. Harding's husband, Michael Harding, was reported missing September 20th and was found dead in early October. Julie Harding was arrested last Thursday for stalking and criminal trespassing. She was released Friday, one day before she was found dead. Marysville's newspaper, The Appeal Democrat, published a police report in which the victim, identified as a former girlfriend of Michael Harding, reported being stalked and harassed by Julie Harding, who allegedly broke into the woman's home in October. The Appeal Democrat went on to report that authorities are investigating whether a man named Thomas Francis O'Donnell was involved in a murder-for-hire plot with Michael Harding as the target. Sergeant Amar Gandhi, a spokesman for the Sacramento County Sheriff's Office, confirms that O'Donnell was arrested on a murder warrant. Julie Harding joined the CHP in 1999 and became a commander in the Yuba Sutter Office in 2018. This reported by the Sacramento Bee. Congressional measures that could help California with wildfire prevention and mitigation are poised to become law in the final days of this legislative session. A bill pushed by California Senator Alex Padilla eliminates the cap on extra military planes that the Department of Defense can transfer in a year to an agency or state for wildfire suppression. Padilla says eliminating the cap, currently seven planes per agency, would, quote, improve our ability to fight increasingly catastrophic wildfires in California and across the West by growing our federal aerial firefighting fleets on the front lines of wildfires. Another measure poised to become law updates the law that governs FEMA, the federal agency charged with responding to natural disasters, to improve its response to wildfires. The FIRE Act ensures that FEMA can pre-deploy firefighting assets based on indications of high fire risks, such as red flag warnings, like it does for hurricanes. Quote, wildfire assistance should not be treated as less important than hurricanes, tornadoes, or floods, says Representative Zoe Lofgren from San Jose. Ultimately, it aims to speed up federal assistance for those in need as wildfires grow in prevalence and strength. This reported by the Sacramento Bee. Turning our attention to your forecast from the National Weather Service, for those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, patchy fog after 2 a.m., otherwise mostly clear with a low around 30 degrees. Thursday, sunny with a high near 53 degrees. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 13 degrees. Thursday, sunny with a high near 34 degrees. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, patchy fog after 2 a.m., otherwise partly cloudy with a low around 33 degrees. Thursday, patchy fog before 10 a.m., otherwise partly sunny, with a high near 53 degrees. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. 
Coming up, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza sits down with intern news producer Julia Jem for Soups On. The news team takes a close look at what the Nevada County Board of Supervisors tackled at their latest meeting. On Tuesday, December 13th, the Nevada County Board of Supervisors met for their final meeting of 2022. And as part of our Soups On coverage, Julia Jem was there. She's here with me now. Hi, Julia. Hi. So tell me about the meeting. How'd it go? Uh, It went well. It was sort of busy. There were 48 items on the agenda, with 5 through 37 being on the consent calendar. Let's review. What's the consent calendar? The consent calendar is a list of non-controversial items that are voted on at one time. Okay. That said, looking at the agenda, there's some interesting stuff on here. Why don't we start with what you found interesting? Um, I sort of found item number 40 interesting. It was a resolution accepting a grant in the amount of $4.8 million to upgrade the Nevada County Sheriff's Office radio equipment. $4.8 million? Yes. And where did this grant come from? It was a federal grant that came from the Department of Justice. I see. And you said it's for the Nevada County Sheriff's Office. Um, it seems like something that a lot more than just the Sheriff's Office would benefit from. Yeah. Uh, Cal Fire and other agencies like that would also benefit from enhanced communications, especially during wildfires or other emergency incidents. Now, this this was a long time coming, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the current radio systems are from 1990, and three of the 13 existing radio towers are not even in working condition. Wow. Now, despite all this new equipment, one of the things that I've heard is that there are still areas in the county that will not be, you know, there's rural areas that will not have radio reception. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, even though the new systems will be advanced, especially in contrast to the old systems, there will still be areas in the county that simply can't be reached uh, with radio reception, like canyons uh, in the Yuba and dense woodland. Sure. So that was item 40? Yes. And that passed? It did. And that's a done deal, right? We accepted, the county accepted that money. Yeah, so they'll be getting um, first handheld radios, I think, within the next three months. And then the next ones will be car radios. And then I think that the radio towers will take a couple years to come into effect. Did they give an official timeline? They did not. Okay. Great. So that was item 40. What else? Um, Well, there's also number 41, which was a resolution approving the contract between the County of Nevada and Buskirk Construction for the Nevada County Bear River Library Tenant Improvement Project. The Library Tenant Improvement Project. Where Where is this? Uh, it's just off Combi Road. That's where the new Holiday Market is? Yes, it's actually right right next to the Holiday Market. They're going to build next to the Holiday Market or, or nearby? Right next to it, in a shopping center. So the library is going to be in that shopping center? Yes. I see. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Um, well, the current Bear River Library is actually at Bear River High School. So the new building location will give the library a sense of independence. It'll be pretty established with a children's area, a main library, a community conference room, a sheriff substation, and open plus access. I want to know about open access, but can you go back? You said there's going to be a sheriff substation? There will be, yes, inside of the building. Inside of the library building? Yeah, it'll be within within the building that the library is in. Did they talk about that? Could you give me more information? Um, there wasn't a whole lot mentioned about it. Uh, they, they believe that there will be a benefit in having a sheriff substation at that location. It'll give a sense of safety and it'll be a nice addition to the existing substations that exist around the county. Interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like. Yeah. But tell me about open access. What's that? Well, uh, it's open plus access and okay. it's a system that allows 
good standing 18 plus patrons to use the library outside of normal operating hours. You're kind of in a some sort of you're like in a special club and you get your own key to the library? Sort of. You have um, your own library card and a PIN number. Um, and so that's how you gain entry. It's only during selected hours. You can't just go anytime. But it's the hours are extended compared to regular library hours. And how does one get considered for open plus access? You have to have a clean library record. So no outstanding books. And you have to be over 18. Isn't this what they do at, um, this is what they do at Penn Valley? library, isn't it? Yes. The new Bear River library pretty much mirrors Penn Valley. Exactly. Actually, you, you mentioned that even the the physical building is going to be similar, right? Yeah. It's the design. Uh, it'll have modern furniture and the layout is going to be pretty similar as well. Is there a timeline for that? When are they breaking ground? That's going to happen late summer or early fall of 2023. That's exciting. Yes. Another library. That's exciting. Uh, what else? Uh, well, there was item number 48, which was the final item on the agenda and also the final item of the year. Um, and it was a selection of a process to fill the position of auditor controller after the court annulled the contest held in June. That was when uh, Mr. Tribble, who was elected, was found. What did the court say officially? He was uh, lacked experience. Yeah. So Rob Tribble had won the June 7th auditor controller race against Gina Will, but he was ruled by a Nevada County judge as not qualified to uphold the position due to an alleged lack of experience in dealing with similar responsibilities. Okay, so then on Tuesday's meeting, they didn't decide who is going in, right? They decided whether or not it's going to be an election or an appointment. Yeah, they had two options, either a direct appointment or a recruitment with the Human Resources Department advertising the position using standard county practices to solicit qualified candidates. And what did they decide on? They unanimously voted to use the direct appointment process. It was unanimous? Yes. And so now what? Well, now the board's decision on who officially will be appointed will have to come after January 2nd of 2023. Okay, so we're marking our calendars for that. January 2nd, we'll know. Anything else? Well, there were a couple certificates of recognition that were awarded. Nevada County District 3 Supervisor Dan Miller, Cal Fire Division Chief Jim Mathias, Nevada County Consolidated Fire Chief Jim Turner, Nevada County's Clerk Recorder Greg Diaz, Auditor Controller Marcia Salter, and Assessor Sue Horn. And so these are people that are leaving their jobs for one reason or another, right? Yes. The two fire chiefs are retiring. Both of the fire chiefs are retiring, yeah. And Dan Miller did not seek re-election. No, he's moving to Arkansas. So they recognized Dan Miller presumably for his years of community service. Yes, he served over 33 years in Nevada County, and he had a pretty extensive list of accomplishments. Let's talk about some of those. What did he do? Well, he served four terms as a member of the Grass Valley City Council, and he served as mayor of Grass Valley from 1991 to 1993, and then again in 2014. He was on several boards, planning commissions, uh, Nevada Joint High School District Board of Trustees, even serving as its president from 2003 to 2005. And then he's been on the board of supervisors. What was that like? What was the atmosphere in the in the chamber like? It was sort of emotional. Uh, there was a lot of joking around because apparently uh, Dan has kind of a big personality within, within the board. Um, and he closely supports local law enforcement and firefighting agencies. So uh, Cal Fire was gathered around. All right, so... That was the last meeting of 2022, and you'll be attending the next one whenever that's posted, right? I will in January sometime. All right. Well, Julia, thanks so much for your reporting. Thank you. A new spacecraft on a mission to map the world's waters launches Thursday. 
The project is a collaboration between U.S. and French oceanographers and hydrologists. The goal? Make the first global survey of Earth's surface water. Up ahead, KVMR science correspondent Al Stoller speaks to a project scientist working on tomorrow's mission. A spacecraft will launch from NASA's West Coast launch site in Southern California tomorrow. SWOT, spelled S-W-O-T, is the surface water and ocean topography mission. SWAT will map the topography, the ups and downs, of the world's rivers, lakes, and oceans. I've been curious about ocean features called eddies, carousels of water that swirl about in the ocean. So I got in touch with Dr. Li Liung Fu, SWAT project scientist. First question, where do eddies come from? When the ocean currents become too fast, it will become unstable. Once the currents become unstable, eddies will be generated, and it plays an important role transporting heat and nutrients and salts. Once they're started, they have enough energy to go for months or years? Some eddies can be tracked crossing the ocean one coast to the other over a year, a year or two, for some of the largest eddies. The swirls of ocean currents actually contain more than 90% of the kinetic energy of the ocean. Kinetic energy is the energy of motion, of movement. A car sitting at a stoplight has zero kinetic energy. That same car flying down the freeway has lots of kinetic energy. All this energy in the ocean comes not just from Earth, but also from the moon. Gravity pull of the moon-Earth system, the tides. The tides uh, create a mixing of the ocean which is a a key ingredient to maintain the general circulation of the ocean. A humongous river of seawater flows through the world's oceans, connecting all oceans into one. This is a general circulation and has a lot to say about our climate. So it's super important that the tides mix the waters to keep the general circulation going. SWAT will map the ocean's currents, along with rivers and lakes on land. I was curious what the eddies would look like to SWAT, which can only see the ups and downs of the surface. Eddies push the water in the centers upwards. I spoke with Dr. Mark Samard of JPL, project investigator for SWAT. You will see these little bumps on top of the water surface. And from these observations, we can improve the oceanic circulation models. SWAT will launch tomorrow, Thursday morning. Before dawn. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller. That's our newscast for this Wednesday, December 14th. Visit us online at kvmr.org and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Sierra College Nevada County Campus, offering degrees, certificates, and training for jobs or career. Plus, courses available in creative writing, sculpture, music, theater, and more. Winter registration is now open online at sierracollege.edu slash UCAN. And Mailboxes Plus, reminding listeners to mail holiday packages for timely arrival to friends and family. Offering packing and shipping services with all major carriers. Located in the BNC Shopping Center, Grass Valley. Mailboxesplusgv.net. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. 
Join us Thursday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.